Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly, and I am back to share another missing persons case with you. Today's missing persons case was suggested to us by a follower on Instagram named Jen. So thank you, Jen, for your request on this case. For those that are new to the podcast, Missing Mondays is a segment that was created to help keep missing persons name and information in the media the best we can and to hopefully help aid in their return home. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time, and while some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. My goal with Missing Mondays is to continue to share these people's names and never let them be forgotten. It's important to continue to share because there are people out there that hold information that they may not realize that they hold. Many of these cases just need one small key piece of information to blow the case wide open and give families the closure they so desperately deserve. Before we get into today's case, I do want to take a second to give a quick shout out to maybe one of our youngest listeners. His mom and I used to both live in the state of Washington when our husbands were stationed at McCord Air Force Base in Tacoma, Washington. She reached out to me this last week to tell me how much her son, Anders, loves listening to the podcast and how he thinks it's pretty cool that his mom knows me. So hey, Anders, thank you so much for listening to my podcast with your mama. I hope you get the chance to come see me in person someday soon. Take care of your mama for me. All right, guys, without further ado, let's dive into today's case on the disappearance of Colin Gillis. Colin Gillis was born on March 4, 1994 to his parents John and Patty Gillis. Colin was the middle child with an older brother named Lyndon and a little brother named Ian. Colin and his brothers grew up in Tupper Lake, which is a village in Franklin County, New York. Tupper Lake is located within the boundaries of the Adirondack Park west of Lake Placid. And according to the 2010 census, the population was just under 3,700 people. So it's a pretty small community. Colin was described as someone who was always nice and respectful to everyone. He was articulate, intelligent, and had this incredible memory. Colin was so smart that he actually skipped a grade in his younger years of school. He was also known for his sense of humor and his big smile that his brother describes as his goofy grin. His brother said that anytime Colin was flashing that goofy grin of his, it was likely because he was telling a joke. His mother, Patty, even described her son as being quick-witted, and sometimes he was a smartass. Colin enjoyed spending time with his family and closest friends, and he also enjoyed just making everyone laugh and making them happy. Colin was very athletic and played both football and basketball in high school. In 2011, he graduated from Tupper Lake High School, and he went on to the State University of New York at Brockport, which was just about five hours from home. There he was a pre-med student with hopes and dreams and a heart full of determination to become a doctor. In March of 2012, 18-year-old Colin was a freshman at SUNY and doing well as a college student, maintaining his classes and grades while enjoying being social with new friends. 
On March 9th, after his classes were finished, Colin was officially on spring break and he was excited to go home and spend time with his family. The following day, Colin hung with his family while they watched an NCAA basketball game and had dinner together. Later that evening, Colin had plans to hang out with friends, which he was really looking forward to because he hadn't seen them in a while, and he just wanted to cut loose, catch up with old friends, and enjoy downtime from school. Before heading out that night, Colin got dressed in a white, short-sleeved American Eagle v-neck shirt with black stripes. He had on blue boot-cut Levi jeans and red high-top Nike Air sneakers. Before heading out the door, he grabbed his orange L.L. Bean backpack, which he also put a reversible black and red L.L. Bean coat inside. Colin told his parents that he would be back later and told his family goodbye before leaving the house sometime around 8.30 p.m. on the night of March 10th, 2012. Colin was just going to be going down the street to visit and hang out with some friends who didn't live far from where his folks lived. After hanging out there for a while, Colin got in a car with some friends to go to a different house to hang. While there, he and nine of his friends all decided that they wanted to go to this party that was taking place five miles away at a home on Paskungame Road. Now, this area is a pretty rural and secluded area and is just outside of Tupper Lake by like three miles. At this party, there was roughly 40 people present, and they were there to celebrate someone's 21st birthday. So as you can imagine, there was alcohol, and there was also underage drinking happening. Allegedly, Colin and his buddies weren't actually invited to this party, but they knew some of the other partygoers, so they went anyway. After some time at this party, Colin ended up getting into an argument with another person, which led to a physical altercation. After this fight was broke up, Colin's friends decided that they just wanted to call it a night and leave this party before anything else went down and the cops were called. But for whatever reason, Colin didn't want to leave the party. He was adamant that he was going to stay and that he was having a good time. His friends tried to convince him to leave with them, but he refused. So after they were unable to change his mind and talk him into leaving, they decided that they were just going to go ahead and leave Colin there to stay since that was what he wanted. Colin stayed behind at this party with a bunch of people he wasn't really friends with and people that he had never really hung out with before. I couldn't find whether it is known if Colin was for sure drinking or not. However, I'm going to assume that there is a high probability that he was. At around 1 a.m., Colin finally left the party on his own and walked north on Paskungame Road toward Route 3. Now, here is where things get somewhat confusing for everyone. When Colin reached the intersection of Paskungame Road and Route 3, instead of turning right, which would lead him towards his home in just a few miles in Tupper Lake, Colin turned left and he started walking toward a town called Piercefield. Route 3 is a very dark road at that time of night. There are no streetlights, there's no sidewalks to walk on, and it's not a road that I would want to walk on in the pitch black on a cold night. There is, however, shoulders on both sides of the road, but this road is lined with trees on both sides with a guard rail running the length of the road. At around 1.30 a.m., a young man named Austin Tui, who had also been at the party that night, was driving down towards Piercefield, taking his cousin home. 
That is when he said that he saw Colin turning left onto Route 3. Allegedly, they stopped and asked Colin if he wanted a ride, but Colin declined. They also said that Colin told them that he had a ride coming for him. After dropping off his cousin, Austin was driving back towards Tupper Lake when he said he saw Colin still walking and once more, Austin said he asked Colin if he wanted a ride and again, Colin allegedly declined. Now, Colin was seen by another driver named Rich Rosentretter walking down Route 3, and this was around 1.45 a.m., and he said he saw Colin near the Franklin and St. Lawrence County line. Rich was surprised to see a male walking down the road, and what really stuck out to him was that Colin wasn't wearing a jacket when it was extremely cold that night. Rich was concerned about the person he saw walking, but he did not stop because he had his elderly mother in the car with him. He also didn't feel comfortable stopping, so he continued on his route towards Tupper Lake and he headed directly to the police station. Rich reported to the police that he saw a young man walking against traffic on Route 3 and that the man was not wearing a jacket despite it being very cold. And the person was allegedly walking very close to the white line on the side of the road and that he was flailing his arms around. Rich first initially thought that Colin had been hitchhiking, but then it appeared that he wasn't. After reporting this, authorities immediately responded and went to go check on the man who was walking alone on Route 3 in the frigid cold in the early morning hours of March 11, 2012. Authorities arrived about 30 minutes after the report was made to the stretch of Route 3 near the Franklin County and St. Lawrence County line and began searching for the person who had been walking alone. The responding officers drove up and down the stretch of road and saw absolutely no sign of Colin or anyone else for that matter. Now, what is unknown is if Colin was actually waiting for a ride that night. However, I'm going to assume that he really wasn't because none of his friends or family ever came forward saying that they had spoken with him that night and agreed to pick him up. So that leaves the question of whether Colin had lied to Austin or maybe Austin's story wasn't true to begin with. Now, cell service in this area is spotty, but it did appear that Colin had tried to call at least one person, and this person, however, didn't answer, and Colin had left a message. According to the New York Times, Colin's parents would later listen to this message, and they said that Colin sounded normal and like nothing was out of the ordinary. Again, nobody had said they spoke with Colin, Colin hadn't arranged for any friends to come back and pick him up later, and since all of this went down and he was reported missing, nobody has since come forward to say that they picked up Colin that night when he was traveling down New York Route 3. When Colin didn't return home from being out with his buddies, his parents initially weren't concerned. It wasn't unusual for Colin to spend the night with friends, and it also wasn't unusual for his phone to go dead and Colin not be able to get in touch with his family. Colin wasn't always the best about making sure that his phone was charged, so when they tried to call his phone and it went straight to voicemail again, they really thought nothing of it. But by Sunday afternoon with no word from Colin and his phone still going to voicemail, his family started to call his friends to see if they knew where Colin was. 
One by one, they learned that no one had heard from Colin, nor had anyone seen him since the previous night at the party. By 5.30 p.m., the Gillis family decided that they had waited long enough and called to report their son as missing. Immediately, the state police responded and began a large search for 18-year-old Colin Gillis. By Monday morning, the New York State Police, the Tupper Lake Police, and the Department of Environmental Conservation worked to begin coordinating a massive search for Colin. When the news traveled fast that Colin was missing, the Tupper Lake community pulled together and came out to help search for Colin. They had over a thousand volunteers out that Monday morning searching. Friends, family, and complete strangers rallied together to help search for this young man. They busted out all of the resources to search for him. They had divers and people with specialized sonar equipment searching bodies of water and under the Route 3 bridge. Dogs were brought in and the family provided the canine team with shirts that belonged to Colin to hopefully get his scent. And they also had assistance from Fort Drum, where military teams searched the wooded areas by helicopter. Where Colin was reportedly last seen was near the Adirondack Forest, which is in total 6 million acres of wilderness. Volunteers walked shoulder to shoulder in a grid search through rugged terrain and freezing temps in search for Colin. They covered over 2,000 acres during this search. At a press conference that afternoon, the authorities announced that during their search, they had located two items that had belonged to Colin, one of which was his driver's license and the other was his tobacco pipe. These items were found on the New York Route 3 near Setting Pole Dam Road, which this was around the area where Rich had spotted Colin on the side of the road. This area was also just over a mile from Pascungame Road, where Colin had turned left on Route 3. Through all of their search efforts and thousands upon thousands of hours dedicated to searching for Colin, these two items were the only things that had ever been recovered that belonged to him. His backpack he was carrying was never found. His coat never found. Nothing more was ever found. Now, some of the searches that were conducted were dangerous due to the conditions, and the police officers, they asked that volunteers just stay behind for this one and allow trained professionals to search this area, and this area was very thick with snow, and often the snow was waist deep. But those within the community didn't back down, and they still wanted to help do whatever they can to support the search for Colin, so they shifted their focus and help to other ways. They began collecting monetary donations as well as supplies for searchers and made sure that those who were still able to search had everything they needed, including a hot meal. Which I just want to stop for a second and say that I really admire how this community pulled together for this family, for Colin, and for everyone who participated in the search. I know that Colin's mother, Patty, said in an interview how amazing the community support was. And I can imagine that when you're at such a low time in your life, having the support from complete strangers means the world. The following Saturday, the state police set up a checkpoint on New York Route 3 near where Colin was last seen. Troopers stopped every car as they approached to hand out flyers with Colin's information on it, hoping that someone who was passing through on that Saturday had this Saturday before and had seen Colin. 
Several people stopped had also traveled that route on the night Colin vanished, but none of them had reported seeing him or anything suspicious. On March 19th, the police announced that they would be scaling back the search for Colin, but would continue to do searches periodically by ground and air, unless new information surfaced. Detectives still continued to conduct interviews and looked into the allegations of Colin being involved in a physical altercation that took place at the party. When Colin's classmates at SUNY returned to school, Colin's family held out just a shred of hope that he would return to class as if nothing had happened. But of course, he did not. Administrators at the college checked also to see if Colin's student ID card had been used to enter any of the buildings on campus, but the last noted use of his ID was on March 9th before spring break started. According to a Medium.com article, authorities traveled to the campus to speak with people who lived in the same dorms as Colin, and they found that everyone had nice things to say about him. Colin was a well-liked person who made many friends, and all of those friends were stunned to learn of his disappearance, and many struggled with the absence of their friend. The school also made sure to have counselors available for any student who wanted to speak. The family announced a $10,000 reward for information leading to Colin. It was their belief that someone within the community knew what happened to Colin, and they were just too scared to come forward with that information. Unfortunately, the reward generated no new leads, and the reward was eventually raised to $25,000. As winter turned to spring and the snow and ice began to melt, people were hopeful that Colin would be found. Again, he was not. Police asked hunters and others who adventured out around that area where Colin went missing to please be on the lookout for anything unusual that they might see. It is very unfortunate that it has now been over 10 years since Colin went missing and still nothing more than his ID and tobacco pipe have ever been found. I am going to get into the theories on this case because when you search up this case, you will find full Reddit threads as well as web sleuth threads talking about him. The first theory is that Colin had been drinking heavily that night at the party and had wandered into the woods and succumbed to the elements. It was below freezing that night and hypothermia would have set in quickly without his jacket. Some believe that he may have tried to burrow somewhere and died from hypothermia, but my issue with this is I believe that he would have been found by now, especially given the fact that it has now been 10 years since he had gone missing. Others believe that while walking, maybe Colin had tried to cross a frozen lake and fell through the ice and drowned. But with this theory, I again believe that he would have also been found by now, or at least some of his items. The next theory is that maybe Colin was hit by a car accidentally and that the driver panicked. This area was a very dark and windy road. It's possible that someone didn't see him until it was too late and they hit him and killed him or badly injured him and then they panicked and disposed of his body. And while this very well could be plausible, if this had happened, you would think that there would be some sign of an accident, such as car parts, broken glass from the vehicle, or even blood on the snow-covered ground. But there was none of that found. 
Another theory is that Rich, the man who reported seeing Colin to police, was somehow involved. But when authorities checked into his story, it did check out, and he had been with his elderly mother when he had spotted Colin initially and then subsequently reported the suspicious male walking. There is another theory that someone from the party had something to do with Colin's disappearance, and from the threads I read, it seems like a lot of people from the community side with this theory. Colin had left that party sometime after 1am, and the party allegedly ended just 30 minutes later. If people were driving on this route, they may have seen Colin walking, and maybe the person who got into the altercation with him spotted him and decided to start another fight. People also question Austin Tui's story. Austin had been in some trouble after the disappearance of Colin and had somewhat of a criminal history. Was his story truthful about seeing and offering Colin a ride? Was Austin somehow involved with that altercation that took place? Authorities did interview a large majority of the people that were at the party, but it is believed that a lot of people kept their lips shut about things that had happened due to being scared about the fact that they were underage drinking. It is believed in the more recent years people have come forward with some information about what had happened or what they had seen that night since they are now older. As recent as November 2020, tips and leads were being called in, and authorities were even doing an extensive dig in the town of Edwards, which is 50 miles west of Tupper Lake, in connection to Colin's disappearance. I will say that it is said that this property that they were digging at was connected to someone who was attending the party that night, but nothing further was released about this dig or what led them there or if anything was found. I want to say again that a lot of the rumors and things I am reading online had a lot of people questioning Austin's story about seeing and offering Colin a ride that night. Unfortunately, if Austin was involved and was holding some sort of secrets from that night, those secrets were buried with him when he passed away on September 11, 2021, after complications from an open-heart surgery. There are so many questions left unanswered in this case, and one of the most baffling questions is why was Colin walking in the opposite direction of his home? Colin grew up in this area and was very familiar with the surrounding areas outside of Tupper Lake. He would have known which way to go to get home. There are so many possibilities to consider here when it comes to his disappearance, and both foul play and an accident cannot be ruled out. However, I firmly believe that if it was an accident of Colin succumbing to the elements or falling someplace and dying from the cold, I believe he would have been found by now. It has now been 10 years since he went missing, and we are rapidly approaching the 11th anniversary this coming March. Colin's family deserves answers, and despite their efforts of a billboard in Tupper Lake and endless flyers being hung, they seem to be no closer to answers. Colin Gillis was 18 years old when he went missing in the early morning hours of March 11, 2012. At the time of his disappearance, he was six foot tall and weighed 170 pounds. He's a white male with blonde hair and blue eyes. Colin has a scar on his left shoulder blade. Colin was last seen wearing a size medium white short sleeve American Eagle V-neck shirt with black stripes. He also had on size 34-32 blue boot cut Levi jeans and size 10 red high top Nike Air sneakers. 
With him, he was carrying an orange L.L. Bean backpack that contained a reversible black and red L.L. Bean coat. If still alive today, Colin would now be 28 years old. Again, there is a $25,000 reward for information leading to Colin. If you or anyone you know has information about the disappearance of Colin Gillis, you can contact the New York State Police at 518-897-2000. My heart completely breaks for the Gillis family, and it seems like this is one of those cases where someone out there somewhere holds the key to the puzzle. I will be curious to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on this case and whether you suspect foul play or a complete accident. So make sure you're a part of our private Facebook group. You can find it by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. In there, we share all information and pictures pertaining to the cases that we cover, and we also encourage all of our members to share all things true crime. Be sure to also follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast. And if you want more true crime content, you can follow me on TikTok at the same username of crimeaholics.podcast. Lastly, if you wish to follow myself personally, you can find me on Instagram at crimeaholly. Crimeaholics, that is all for this week's Missing Monday. I will be back Friday with another murder case for you. But until then, be aware and take care.